0: Hola, hola, Chula. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on again, off again chronic dieters. And we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are
1: you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola chula,
0: it's me, Dalina.
1: Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for a community, tools to ditch the diet, help with finding authentic health and keeping your culture alive, join my membership brought to you by today's sponsor, me.
0: Before we start, have we told you lately how much we appreciate you? We appreciate that so many of you are out there breaking the bonds of generational diet trauma by opening your minds and learning with us. It really means something, you know. And Delina and I created this podcast because our mission is to break the diet cycle for the next generation, and we know that can't happen without you. That's why, if you found benefit from this podcast, we really want you to review and rate us. You know, someone just like you is feeling really lost right now, and by rating and reviewing the podcast. You make it more likely that she's going to find the information she needs, just like you did, to break free from the diet cycle. Will you chip in with us and rate or review the podcast today?
1: Hello, hello, everyone. So last week, you heard an episode on healthism with Bateli, and we were really talking about what it is, how it really Came about in society, right? Like where this idea came from as like health as like a moral priority. And today, we kind of wanted to dive in and talk about one of the diseases that a lot of our clients, right, Melissa, like really think about, which is diabetes. And worry about, right. I know for me from the Latino community, you know, even like that reel that I just made about that person that asked me, it was like, oh, 40%, right. We talked about that last week. Diabetes is at the forefront of literally 99% of the two I talked to. I mean, like, I don't think I've ever had a one-on-one call or had like a discovery call where like sugars, blood sugar controlled, diabetes, pre-diabetes hasn't come up in one way or another. And so we kind of wanted to really dive into that today.
0: Definitely. And I feel like for folks in larger bodies, there is all this imagery and messaging, like this will happen to you, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not a question. And so there's a lot of fear about diabetes for people when they come into the intuitive eating world. And sometimes people also maybe had like a family member who had a really negative experience with diabetes who yeah. did get sick. That's another thing where like what we understand about diabetes screening and care has changed so much over the last mm-hmm. 50 years. And it's really exciting to think about how intuitive eating can actually like build on that work that's gone yeah. on in medicine. So let's do this. Yeah. Let's discuss so people let's can do
1: it. Let's do it. So, really, remember last time we were talking about it from like, oh, there's a 40% chance right in our lifetime supposedly like, like incidents of Latinos having you know or becoming diabetic, right? And and that was something that like really made me angry, right? Because this is something that the CDC <laughs> mm. freaking has on their website. And it's like they're literally like if you look on the CDC website, they're literally saying that the reason why the Latino community has diabetes is because of their food. Mm. like
0: literally we don't like that yeah you know
1: (laughs) you know i you see i mean i screenshot this
0: well you texted me that day and we're like yeah I
1: (laughs) i was like what the frick is just happening here like this is a government website with so much oh Freaking misinformation on it. And basically it was just like how you eat is why this is happening instead of really talking about, right. The social determinants, which we have a whole episode on that. So like, we're not really going to get into it today, but what we really wanted to talk about today is like how that bias impacts how we think about diabetes and also our approaches as weight neutral dietitians, as intuitive eating dietitians, how we approach diabetes and how we can like debunk or kind of like let go of a lot of these, you know, biases that we have
0: towards like the disease. For the food rules part of yeah. intuitive eating, like I think particularly like if you're Latinx and you're seeing that message, that's going to amplify yeah. and heighten your food rules even more. Yeah. You try to yeah. create guilt-free food experiences. So, yeah. very important to talk about. I guess it would be helpful to like explain diabetes. Gosh, this is like continent yeah. trigger warning. This is a very fat phobic thing that occurred. Yeah. That Michael Gates, was that his name? The senator, congressperson who came oh, out yeah. and oh, basically boy. did not cast his vote in support of uh, funding for insulin because of their misguided belief that diabetes is caused by weight. And it was horrible. And what, this person obviously did not understand, right? All of these mm-hmm. leaders who are making decisions about health without referencing the healthcare providers is that there are actually different forms of diabetes. None of them are quote, the good one to have or the bad one to have, or the shameful one to have, or the like diseases are diseases. They occur yep. in their bodies by a host of different factors. And so though there is definitely some work being done about like, there are actually maybe more types of diabetes than what we're about to say. Again, we're doing research yeah. all the time. Typically we think about it like type one, mm-hmm. type two, and then with type two, there's like the pre-diabetes state before you get into yeah. type two. So let's break down what the difference is. So what is type one diabetes?
1: Yeah. So the definitions that we found are coming from the Mayo clinic, right? And so type one diabetes used to be known as juvenile diabetes or insulin dependent diabetes. But what it really is, is a chronic condition in which the pancreas produces little or no insulin, right? So your body's not producing insulin anymore. And it's now being considered more of like an autoimmune disease because there's an issue with your body not producing something that you need, like that's super essential, like insulin. And so because of that, insulin can't carry glucose, which is sugar. Into the cells for energy. So that's type one. And I feel like this category of an autoimmune disease is more new, right? Because just like this definition said, it used to be known as juvenile diabetes and then insulin dependent diabetes. Yeah, well, they started like
0: yeah, young people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were like, only oh, kids used to get it. Remember that? I feel like that was something big when we were in school. It was like type one, it's only for kids. And then that's I for graduated. like the research, yeah.
0: like there's yeah. like brittle diabetes. There's people who diagnosed with this sometimes in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. Like- So there is a genetic component to type Mm -hmm. one where this autoimmune stuff causes Mm you to be unable to make insulin. It's a different pathophysiology or like disease background than type two. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And then we have type two, which is primarily due to the fact that your cells and your muscles, your fat cells and your liver cells cannot absorb insulin. So like they become resistant to insulin and because of this, right, again, Insulin cannot carry sugar into the cells. So both of them, the main issue, right? Whether whichever pathway you get it is that the insulin cannot take the sugar inside the cell. I usually, you know, when I'm talking to my clients, I'm like, think of insulin like a little car that has to drive sugar into the cell. And when that's not happening that's when either you have an autoimmune disease or there's something else happening that's causing this, that could be like type two related and type two could really be due to a lot of different factors, right? Like it's not just weight, right? I think, and that's something that we need to talk about is that again, everybody just assumes that it's weight related, but like there's type two diabetics in every single body size. (laughs) (laughs) It does not discriminate (laughs) at all. And there is a lot of new research emerging that type two is also very genetic, Mm -hmm. right? That it might not be considered like an autoimmune disease, but I do feel like it's genetic in the sense that like a lot of things can trigger, you know, a lot of these genes to turn on and kind of like, you can become, you know, diabetic due to a number of different things, which we've talked about in the social determinants of health podcast. So we have that. And then we have prediabetes, which means that you have a slightly higher than normal blood sugar level, but it's not high enough to be considered type two diabetes yet. And so doctors usually want to keep an eye on that. And Melissa and I have thoughts about this prediabetes diagnosis and how we kind of don't really like it. So but let's not talk about
0: it. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that audio reel that was like, what does it mean? And it would like yeah. sing that song. Like wh- yeah. many people have a criticism for prediabetes. Like, what does it mean? Like, what does it mean? It's like when people like the joke, like, you, it's like pregnancy. You can't be like pre-pregnant. You are yeah. or you aren't. Like that's a lot of the criticism yeah. about prediabetes is folks get a label that maybe isn't sensical or appropriate. And being aware of these numbers is obviously important the criteria for deciding what makes diabetes is set up by doctors studying this. It is Mm -hmm. screened by doctors. So like it is important, and this is not to knock doctors who are helping you to classify where you're at, because it is important based on what your classification is. You might do different things to help those sugars come down. So definitely important to kind of have these classifications. Mm -hmm. But one of the struggles I think you and I both have with the prediabetes is that a lot of times doctors jump immediately to the intervention of weight loss when they see Mm -hmm. the blood sugars elevated, when that's not an appropriate or effective response for what is actually happening. It doesn't match the threat or the risk level of what's going on right at that moment. So definitely a complex label to get from the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And I have
1: probably like five or six, TikToks on this that really talk about this because again, and then there's now the pre-pre-diabetes, which that is like, that is actually in not the right. actual factorial is happening.
0: <laughs> it's but really, again, it's so, oh, it's, it's really crazy. interesting. Cause like these numbers are reference ranges. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, like people will come in and there, there's just a lot of fear and reaction to these numbers Mm-hmm. Not understanding that like, this is feedback for you. And we'll get into this later in the episode, like all of our clinical data that we get from labs or from our doctor, those are individual one pieces of data that we can use to inform what we do yes. or do not do for our health. And so one yes. takeaway by defining this is to say, look, this is a thing that incurs in quite a few human beings. We're still learning what turns on type two diabetes. We're still learning how to interpret these reference ranges And medical care has improved so, so much compared to 50 years ago. So if you're regularly going to the doctor's office, if you're regularly Mm -hmm. screening, if you're doing foot checks, if you're doing eye eye checks, checks, like the big scary images we had were like, maybe someone would get their leg amputated or something like that. It's not that it does not happen if you're not taking care of yourself, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's less likely than it was in years past with the right medical care and support. And we'll talk about how lifestyle works into that, but we really hope that that helps reduce some of the fear and shame. If you're told you have this, cause that's not going to help you get motivated to do something about it. We've yeah, talked about exactly. that. And like, if you feel guilty, I mean, my dad has type two and like, he's told me before he put off his visit. Cause he was like, Oh, they're going to get a bad report. I'm like, dad, like yeah. don't do that. So it's important to kind of neutralize these diagnoses.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, something that we talked about with Patrilli is that we're living longer. <laughs> you said yep. this laugh. Yep. We're living longer. And so like, it, it, there's so many things that we can discuss, right. But definitely the car analogy works. Like yeah. eventually yeah. the
0: car is going to sputter and spit a little yeah. bit. We got yeah. we to gotta, we gotta, yeah. work yeah. with it. <laughs> we got to work with it. Exactly. Thanks for bringing it back. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for bringing it Bring back, back around. Around.
1: So yeah, so today we really wanted to focus on like how we as weight inclusive dietitians are going to really help you manage these things, right? I think of it again from that Latino perspective and everybody's fear around it, and I do want to bring up the point again that again a lot of these reference numbers. Have been created based on right, people of European descent, right? A lot of the the numbers and this we talked about this with Patrili too. Like we need more research in more diverse populations when it comes to diabetes and a lot of these conditions to make sure that, like, are we being too strict with these numbers for certain populations? Like, do we want a bigger reference with certain populations? Like I feel like, you know, sometimes looking back. Melissa, when we and you were in school, like the numbers were completely different than what they are now. Like numbers, it, even in the, in the, t- I mean, what well, I've been a dietitian for almost 10 years now. And I think you've been a dietitian a little longer than me. Like even since we've been in school, the reference numbers have changed, you know, when it comes to like blood sugar control and even like cardiovascular health, those numbers have changed in the past 10 years because we have new data. So again, I think understanding that we don't have to be so strict and also remembering that when someone is diabetic, your organ, you have an organ that was meant to do a job (laughs) and it is no longer doing it. You will never be able to do that job perfectly, no matter how hard you try because you're human and things happen. And that organ's not there to help you. So we need to have some grace. Specifically the pancreas. What you the mean? pancreas. Yes. Yeah, the, the pancreas. And we don't, we don't have pancreas transplants. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. not like you can get a new pancreas. So you're doing the work of an organ for yourself outside of your body, which is really hard to do. So having that, you know, compassion is very, very key. So anyways, let's talk a little bit about how it's not just nutrition that affects our blood sugar control and how we can go about that. And also like medicine is taboo. People (laughs) do not, you don't know how many people come to me and be like, I I don't, I want to get, I want to reverse my diabetes. I want to get off medication. I'm like, let's talk about this because you technically can't reverse it. You can technically, I think the word that I would use would be remission because you could keep it at bay. You could keep it okay. Like at, at levels, but once you're diagnosed, like once your insulin isn't working properly, like we can't get your insulin to just right. magically come back. Like your pancreas isn't working y'all. Mm-hmm. Like we can't just like make your insulin pump more. So we need to understand that like reversal is not like possible. We just have to work with what we got.
0: <laughs> right. And that's a tough message. It's it funny is. because you know, like when folks are put on medication, there's a lot of shame and like, I don't want to need to take medication every day. But then like when it's time for like the, the supplement that promises you X, Y, Z people are like, Oh, no problem. I don't mind taking supplements every day or like Mm -hmm. birth control pills. Like there are a lot of things that we put in our bodies and take every day because we believe they're going to be a tool that helps us in our lives. And so it's something that I work with my clients a lot where we say, look, like, medicine can be a little tool for a short while, like Mm -hmm. lifestyle can help bring type two diabetes into remission, but usually you need, I don't know, like depends on the the thing you're working on. You might need six to 12 weeks of consistent behaviors around that for your lab works to to really catch up. And so for a lot of people being on medication, while you're actively figuring out like what habits work for me, what don't, what actually changes those numbers. It's such a gift to be able to lean on that. And that's why you go back to a doctor or diabetes educator is like they're looking with you. Like, can we titrate the medicines down or wean you off? Like there is a dance that can happen with medicine that I think a lot of people don't think of it in that positive light. They think like, oh, I need medication and that's bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we want to take away that taboo against it away from it. Like you said, I love that. I love that analogy you said about like Vitamins and things like that. That's something that I know whatever. About. Like everyone's like,
0: oh wow, yeah, yeah I'm so excited yeah. to take my vitamin yeah. D. But if yeah. you're put on metformin, people are like, Yeah, oh no. Like no. And I'm not saying that to diminish the way you feel about being put on medication. You know, there's a lot wrapped up in choice there, right? Like we choose supplements, yeah. we don't necessarily choose metformin. So I, I don't want to diminish yeah. that. But if we kind of look at it at face value, like if mm-hmm. we observe what's happening, we're taking a pill, we're putting it in our body, and it's hopefully doing something we want it to do. What's wrong with that? It's a good question. Exactly.
1: I love it. I love it. All right. So let's talk about like movement also as a great way to help with diabetes, right? So I think, you know, most people know that exercise helps with blood sugar control. And I think that again, it could become all or nothing. I think it's important for us to understand that just like walking is enough, stretching, moving your body, sitting less, Right. Meditating, like reducing stress. Yeah.
0: But like with the movement, yeah. This is one of my favorite things to learn because, like, we talk about how insulin is the car bringing blood sugar into the cell, but there's something happens that when you move more, Mm -hmm. these little channels form in the muscles that Mm -hmm. bypass the need for insulin. So that's why movement, particularly walking, like resistance training, when we describe type 2 diabetes, we told you that it's a problem with the muscle becoming resistant to insulin. And because that's mm-hmm. happening, your pancreas is like, make more, make more, make more, make more. And eventually gets mm-hmm. so tired. It says F this mm-hmm. I'm leaving. Yeah. So, I'm done. Know, I'm done producing insulin. So like Delina's is saying, look, look, if we get to that point with diabetes where the, the pancreas is not doing its thing the right way anymore, we can try a different strategy with movement. And mm-hmm. it's actually amazing. I had a client who, you know, we started a very gentle walking program and she was super okay. consistent with that She made fewer diet changes than she thought she needed to. Her Mm -hmm. A1C came down by the next visit just through that walking. So this is not to say that will be the same thing that happens to you, but to say that sometimes small, consistent changes... With the right strategy, which is what dietitians like me and Delina do, we help you pick the right strategy for what's going on with your body. Yeah. It's like the, the fast lane to getting yeah. those, those numbers back down.
1: Yeah. 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 And like, like I always tell my client, it's like when you exercise, it's you're building muscle, right? Like even that mm-hmm. walking movement, you're building muscle. You have, like you said, it opens channels for insulin to be able to oh, cool. be, I say you open like receptors, like you're mm-hmm. literally making new receptors for your insulin. And again, it doesn't- it be, oh, I'm, yeah, you know, you know what I <laughs> you know It doesn't necessarily have to be great. You don't have to go to CrossFit. Yeah. You don't have to become a bodybuilder. You literally just have to move a little bit more, like 15 minutes a day. Enough, You know, like 15 minutes a day is enough. (laughs) It doesn't have to be so wild with crazy. And then, of course, just like your client did, staying up with your doctor's appointments, because if we added movement and we're not seeing an improvement the way we want it to be, Then we can move ahead and look at other ways, right? Like Mm -hmm. sleeping affects your blood sugar control a lot as well, like your body being. Properly, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm drawing a blank, uh,
0: not nourished, rested, rested, celebrated, tuned. I'm playing wordle with you right now. I'm just gonna say all the words until I all get the words, I couldn't think of the words.
1: That helps with our blood sugar control, right? Yeah. Because your body's rested and it's gonna be able to do the job that it needs to do, right? That's really, really important. And then we do talk about nutrition and this is where we like to add nutrition and not take it away, right? Like this is where we start looking at the quality of our food when it comes to how it's going to help our blood sugars. And again, the disclaimer is that everybody's body is going to react different to different foods, to different carbohydrates. And that's what working with a dietitian is going to help you do. It's going to help you assess, oh, you know what I had a plate of arroz blanco with, you know, habichuelas and you know, y'all know I call them habichuelas
0: frijoles for the rest of you. Is there and... a difference between different countries? Which word we use? Yes, yes. yes I remember right. in Spanish you learn about like 15 words for different words and it's like <laughs> figure out which country is the right one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, so thinking about it that way. You know, it's important. So we're going to like, look at it. We're going to look at the carbohydrates, right? We're going to look at the quality. We're going to look at the fiber, right? We're going to look at how can we pair foods. We're going to look at how we can like slow down the digestion of that carbohydrate by adding protein, adding fiber, adding fat. It's prioritizing and finding satisfaction in what you're eating, right? And, or else and, it doesn't and and what's and the making point? it. Yeah.
0: What's the point and, and making it, work for you. Yeah. I think the big picture sometimes gets lost with this idea of adding nutrition and pairing foods online. Like people think that if it, it, like it almost goes to the diet culture lens where people are like, so I just need to pair the perfect foods and my diabetes won't happen. It's like, no, 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 no. Exactly. There yeah. is no perfect matchup. Like <laughs> as dietitians, like, I feel like people are like, tell me what the secret matchup yeah, is, for the the food. Like, is. Oh no, 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 no. We're going to think about this strategically. Like if you eat just a 100% carbohydrate ba- based meal, that's not good nor bad, mm-hmm. yeah. but your body doesn't mm-hmm. need to process that. And so yeah. someone who lives without diabetes, the body has all the tools and bells and whistles to be like, oh, mm-hmm. thank you. Let's say it's a cup of yes. juice, right? Mm-hmm. If you have diabetes, you just have fewer tools to process that. So not that you can't have the juice, but we got to think, you know, you pair with your dietitian to think about like, okay, if I want that juice, How would I have it in a way that my body is supported? Like almost like when you go bowling and there's those bumpers on the lane, like that's what- Let me have a little bumper. (laughs) Like I like a bumper myself. I've got these wiggly arms. I got no strength up here. (laughs) Cannot throw the ball. Getting that support to work with your body. That's where sometimes I think if you guys are out there trying this feeling frustrated where you're like, but I'm pairing foods. I'm picking high quality carbs. Like Those are tips, not strategy. There is a difference and strategy is where- the nutrition really comes into like that full expression where you get the results that you want, the outcomes that you want.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And it's, again, not erasing who you are, not erasing your culture. I think that a lot of the times, the biggest thing I hear, right, when I hear my chulas coming to me about diabetes or prediabetes is that, well, no more tacos for me, no more tortillas, (laughs) no more arroz, it's it's done, it's done. I just just gotta eat bland boiled food. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Why? oh Why? nothing no and and i know you know if you're listening to this you probably follow us and i'm sure you saw my video about rice and beans my reel when it's like again we talk about brown rice and white rice in this way of like white like brown rice is so much more superior but it's like it's one freaking gram of fiber it's very
0: negligible it's
1: very negligible and when we add the freaking beans to it do you know how much more fiber we're adding to it like beans are like loaded with fiber
0: now i want tacos listen there's I this every day there's this amazing place in the square where I live it's papas con chorizo tacos and those are my favorite the what A what? papas con chorizo tacos and they are my favorite wait okay so. let me help you pronounce this because okay. at
1: first I was like what is she trying to say and then now all right let's quick everyone she's, quick Spanish. she's trying to say papas
0: con chorizo tacos okay that's that's what she was trying to say, like right? offensive if I try it can I try it your way <laughs>
1: No, no, we're going to help you say this, right, girl? Because like, at first I was like, what the hell is this lady saying right now? Let's try it. <clears throat>
0: papas? Papas? Papas con chorizo. There you go. Much better. <laughs> I hit it. I hit, you it, hit it. It hits. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't roll the R's like that, but it's okay. It takes time. Papas con chorizo.
1: Can. There you go. Chorizo. <laughs> My kids have a really rough, rough time rolling R's, so it's okay.
0: I wonder out there if you guys can roll your R's. I feel like there's two types <laughs> of people in this world. <laughs> Skip. I like the kids <laughs> Anywho, once again, we, we're back. We're back. we haven't had a you and me episode in a while. I think we're like, know, up know, on our silliness. We're like, yeah, um, yeah, we got to get it. But
1: anyways. yeah, no, you don't have to, you don't have to take it away because we can add nutrition. just how we're adding that beans to that white rice. We're going to learn, right. How much carbohydrate we can, your body can tolerate at once. Right. Because that's, that's, that's that self, you know, like, Self-study is, I think is what you call it, Melissa. It's like learning what works for you and your body. And that's gonna change you know, and it's going to be different for everybody. And it might also be different every day because if it was a day that you moved a lot and your body needs a little bit more, you might notice that you're going to have a little bit more of that carbohydrate and it's, your body's going to really thank you for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because even though you're diabetic, it doesn't mean that your body doesn't need carbohydrates. it still 100% needs it. Is that We have to use the tools that we have. Like you said, Melissa, we have to give your body time to be able to absorb, to let either your medication work or to let either your insulin that you are producing work. Right. So it doesn't have to be so all or nothing.
0: Yeah. I think that perfectionism piece of like, I have to do it exactly right. I I love how you brought up how like, even our best is not going to be able to have the sensitivity as our system our system would have had if, if we didn't have diabetes in the first place, right? Like yeah. our bodies are watching itself. They're regulated, it's regulating itself yeah. 24-7. Like even when you sleep, your heart still beats, right? Like can you imagine if you were responsible for telling your heart to beat all day long? Like that would not yeah. go well. Imagine. You wouldn't, yeah. And and yeah. similarly for insulin, which is a hormone, like that hormone release is very sensitive. It's this little trigger. It's this lovely mm-hmm. dance. You know, your your a very, delicate, a very delicate. Studied all of one. that and, and yes. probably loves th- talking about it with you. But that that is something just to, t- to remember, like, what does enough look like? What mm-hmm. does doing the best you can look like? What does giving yourself feedback look like? And knowing like mm-hmm. you will, your blood sugars will elevate. And when it happens, mm-hmm. what you're going to do? What's your plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you talk a lot about With the Chula Club is like, and I love the way you phrase this, like for 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 what your folks are getting, it's like these are lifelong skills. And I think that's the beauty of it. Like when you practice with a coach, they're giving you some support to like learn how to think about yourself so that you don't need the coach anymore to know how to think about yourself and your body. Like imagine that, guys. Like you would never, you would always sort of have a sense of how to solve a problem that you face. It doesn't mean you don't consult with people now and again, but yeah. to have a strategy and to know like, oh yeah, when this happens, here's how I take good care of me. That's yeah. that's what's possible, I think, and what I've seen with my clients.
1: Yeah. And I think I, I've said this before a few times, not on the podcast, I don't think so. It might be the first time for some of y'all listening to it, but like, we grew up in a world of self-help books and we think that we could do it all ourselves and- <laughs> I think that we've created a disservice to our generation, thinking that we can just like read a book and learn it all. And it's like it's a good start, mm-hmm. but
0: inspiration.
1: But yeah, but you can't do it all all on your own. And there's going to be times where even I, as a dietitian, I can't be my own kid's dietitian. My brain's not going to work properly. There's mm-hmm. too much emotions and too much, you know, connection with with my kids that I'm not going to be able to think. And be scientific and and be you know and also having a partner. Like, yeah, it's sad to it's, go through. You life can't alone. do it. Yeah, it's yeah. So you need community. You need people. Like Bryson says, I need people, and we all need people. You shouldn't have to do this alone. And so I think that we've done ourselves such a disservice with this whole like pull yourself by the bootstraps and like self help books. We forget that there's people out there that can be a true resource for us, and that's what us dietitians are for you. Mm-hmm.
0: Very true. So. Yeah. Yeah we learn better when we're connected with other people. Like you yes. y- sure you could white knuckle and slog. Yeah. What usually happens, like when you try to do things on your own is like you stack up a bunch of piles. This is me. I stack up a bunch <laughs> of piles and papers. I put a bunch of schedule reminders that I yeah. never, ever follow up on, but I will never let anyone else down. If someone, if I have yeah. a meeting on the calendar, oh, I'm there. And I talk mm-hmm. and it gets my brain working in new ways. So yeah, it does make a big difference, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed with all the information. You don't got to know it all. You don't, you don't. This topic, I mean, gosh, it's huge. Like there are, there are whole other subtopics we could have taken, but I hope it gives folks who worry about diabetes or pre-diabetes or type two, some understanding about what this is and what your choices are to take great care of yourself. Cause we know that that is important to you as you become intuitive Mm -hmm. eaters. Yes, yes, yes.
1: So yeah, that I hope that this episode really helped you all kind of like feel better about these numbers when you hear them or about this topic, I should say, I was just thinking about the, Latino community and like the statistics that are so scary. I want to tell you that like, you're more than a statistic. (laughs) Yep. Honestly, like you're more than that. So yeah, that was our episode today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you have it. There, There it is. There you have it. There it is tell us a little bit about what's going on inside the chula club so how yeah
1: so in the chulis club um, (laughs) we have a lot going on you can actually go on the website and get a little behind the scenes video so you can see like what is in there i think that a lot of the times people are like probably get overwhelmed with the reading the page and like seeing so much happening in there. And we we have a little tutorial, not a little tutorial, but a little behind the scenes. So I show you like how my networks works and how it's going. And so you can look at where like everything- is
0: beautiful. Is. I'm on the page right now and I'm digging this.
1: <laughs> so you can see like where the, you know, where the nutrition library is and where all of the goodies are. And you get to see like all the conversations that we're having in there and all the topics. So like you get to see like what's happening in there and hopefully it makes you want to come join us because we are freaking doing amazing things in there and we're providing you with again these coaching calls the 12th module course we're providing you with two workouts remember what we talked about how exercise is so important and
0: it's Social on the calendar right like there.
1: you can yeah the calendar's in there you can rsvp to the events it literally gets sends you the link to your phone it's like so integrative and like, so freaking amazing. So yeah, you can come in there, you can come learn the tools, right? Like all of the stuff that Melissa and I are talking about, you're going to come learn that from that cultural perspective. You're going to come learn that from our community perspective you're going to have the community for yourself to ask questions. I think one of the most beautiful things that I see in the club is that sometimes, honestly, like I just sit back I, I sometimes I don't even I just like somebody asks a question and all the last chime in and that lived experience is so beneficial for everybody. Like listening to other people's stories and saying and journey saying you know I'm not fucking alone. Nope. I'm not the only one thinking this way. I'm not the only one dealing with this. Like that is so freaking beautiful to see. And honestly, yeah, I cry so much in there because yeah, everybody knows and Melissa knows I'm a fucking cry.
0: I one. mean. It's it, it, like, they're always just sitting, <laughs> you know, sitting in the corner. Of her there? Eye. It's just like a cartoon, like, <laughs> you know, that little emoji with the little beady eyes. That's, That's me.
1: That. That's me because it's so cute. Y'all know. I'm just like, such my mama heart. Just like, you know, oh, I love it know, so it much. It's so beautiful,
0: beautiful in there. It is, it is what it is.
1: It is what it is. But I hope you all can come join us because if this is something that, you struggle with understanding if this is something that you're like, you know what? I have a a big family history of it. Like I know that this is something that I want to learn to understand. How can I use these tools to help me in the future or right now? Then that's what the club is providing for you. So
0: I hope that you can come join us. I want to add something because you and I have known each other a little over two years now. Mm -hmm. Watching you grow this Chula Club is like a such a freaking joy for me because <laughs> i have i mean i know delina you know beyond the, the podcast and her ability to know herself what she's good at get these communities together like if a membership style is your jam and you're loving delina she's gonna cry right now oh my god anyway i, <laughs> I mean what i say it's very admirable <laughs> inspirational the way you've grown your program and i'm just so excited oh, to be my friend. thank you thank you so much All right, you guys, well, thank you for being here and for being who you are. We'll see you next time. Peace, love, and
1: good diet cycle.